You're listening to a message from Ogden Church, a gospel-centered ministry for all people. We hope during the next few minutes you gain a better understanding of God's love expressed in the person of Jesus Christ. Um, hey, it's such a privilege to get to speak to you guys today. My name is Jim Beach. I am the area director for Young Life uh, here in Lenawee County. Uh, we are a, a ministry that um, is reaching out to kids who don't go to church primarily, and we want to share the gospel with them. We have clubs at some different high schools. We have one in Addison and Madison and Blissfield um, and at the college, at Adrian College. And um, that's my day job, but I'm also... If I look a little familiar to you, it's because I also go to church here at Ogden, and I typically sit over there in the first service. Um, in the last few years, I've had the, the privilege to serve as an elder here, and um, as an elder, you get to do, you do different things behind the, scene, behind the scenes, and, and you really get to see under the hood a little bit of the church. You get to see things going on behind the scenes, and um, I get to speak to you today in part because the elders have successfully convinced Brandon and Wendy that they need to go on an extended vacation. And so Jack spoke last week, and he did a great job. And um, now you have to listen to me this week. And um, since, since I have the microphone on, I'm going to say some things that, that Brandon doesn't, can't really say himself because it, it, it'd, be, it'd be weird. But I just want to say as an elder, as getting to see behind the scenes, getting to check under the hood of our church, I'm just so proud to be part of this church. I'm so proud of our staff. I, I get to also, like, I, I use their printer all the time. I, I go up there and I, I steal colored ink, and I just print colored things all the time. Sometimes I print football scripts up there. Don't, don't tell Pastor Brandon that <laughs> because I coach football. But um, you get to see just in the normal work day, just the normal routine, and you get to see the way people love each other and the way they care for each other. There's just so little drama that's, that's go, been going on. There's just, you get to see, like, you get to hear it when you're an elder, and it's just like, I just haven't really got to experience that. It's just, I just, I'm so grateful for our staff. So I just wanted to give it, let's all give it up for our, our church staff here. They're just incredible. Um, well, I want to jump right in. We're going to look at Romans chapter 12 today, and um, I'm a little old school, so I mean, if you want to have a hard copy Bible, we've got Bibles back here on that wall and on that wall. If you didn't know that, we will have it up here on the screen for you if, if you'd rather do that. Um, but it is good to learn how to find Romans in your Bible. Um, and if you don't have one at home, just steal those. I do it all the time. I give them to high school kids, and um, you can have one. I was not told that I could say that, but I'm an elder here. Um, we're going to look at Romans chapter 12, and um, let's just jump right in. Let's read the first couple verses. It says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. The first, guy, the first man that discipled me when I met Christ, I was 15 years old, and I, I wasn't really raised going to church. And the first guy that ever discipled me was my young life leader. His name was Todd. 
And I, he, was, he taught me how to read the Bible. I had never read it before. And um, he taught me, when you get to a therefore, you have to always ask yourself, what's the therefore, therefore? And so that, now I always remember that. What's the therefore, therefore? And uh, this therefore in Romans 12, it's not just talking about what happens right before, but it is, but it's talking about all of Romans so far. Romans 1 through 11. Romans 1 through 11, if you've never read it, you've got to read it. Okay, if you're, if you're new to church and you've never read the Bible before, you can read some Romans. Read Romans 1 through 11. It, it is this amazing articulation of the gospel. Paul just kind of goes off, and in and, and all the letters he shares the gospel, and you can, read, you can read the four gospels yourself and read about Jesus and his life. Uh, but in Romans, Paul just, he, he really takes 11 chapters, and he's just going through the gospel in depth and in detail. And there's parts of it that will confuse the crap out of you, and that's okay. You just keep reading. And, and there's parts that are just so beautiful. You learn things like that Jesus Christ came while we were yet sinners. We were his enemies. And he, when we were enemies, he died for us. Oh, like, what kind of love is that? That's in Romans chapter 5. And you get to places like in Romans 8 where he says, if God um, did not spare his own son but graciously gave him up for us all, like, who could, br- who, who could bring a charge against us? Like, he, he, would, he would not even spare his son. Like, who could bring a charge against God's elect? <laughs> it's just it's amazing parts throughout Romans of, of how we are made right with God because of Jesus Christ. And we can put our faith in him and be made right with God. And here he urges us to offer our bodies as living sacrifices. We'll talk about that next. But he says, if you notice, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. You don't offer your bodies as a sacrifice so that you can be right with God. It's not to make yourself right with him. It's not to earn anything. It's not so that he'll do anything. It's not so your life will go better. He's already done it for you. He's already surrendered his whole life for you on the cross. And in view of God's mercy, we get to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. It's in view of what he has done for us. And it says specifically here, he says, offer your bodies. And the reason why he says that, a lot of people say it, was because in the Roman and Greek culture, there was this view that your bodies and yourself were kind of separate. There was this, your soul and your spirit were kind of inside, and your body was just like a car, and you were like the driver inside, your, inside the car. Your body didn't really matter. It wasn't you. And so therefore, it didn't really matter what you did with your body. You could worship God, and, but your body, it didn't really matter what you did with your body. Paul says, no. In view of God's mercy, offer your whole self, your whole body, everything you are, to Jesus. This is what true and proper worship is. There's a man named William Barclay. I want to share a quote with you. He's a Scottish man, I believe, and he just has some cool stuff I like to read sometimes. He says, A man may say, I'm going to church to worship God. That's good. But he should also be able to say, I'm going to the factory. I'm going to the shop. I'm going to the office, to the school, to the garage, to the locomotive shed, to the mine, to the shipyard going to the field, to the buyer. I don't know what a buyer is. Go to the garden to worship God. When you offer your whole self as a living sacrifice to Jesus, it's more than a song. It is your everyday life, and it's on display for everybody to see. 
And it starts to become everything you do is done in worship of him. And it makes even all everything you do just makes it a little different. And Paul says, in order to do this, he says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. This word here that's, that's translated confer, conform, it's talking about our outward appearance or like our outward actions. And um, the pattern of this world is always changing. If you're going to try to conform to the pattern of the world, you'll have to be changing all the time. I remember, I mean, I'm not that old, but I'm old enough to know a little bit, uh, you know, to high school kids, by the way, I'm old. Like, if you're 50, don't feel like you're, in high school kids, like, I might as well be 65. They don't care. You're old, you're old. You're over, like, 25. You're now old. Anyway, they, um, when I remember being in middle school, and I had jeans that were too tight, and somebody made fun of me, what are you wearing those jeans for? What are you wearing, tight jeans? And I remember being like, Mom, I got got to get some baggy jeans. Like, they're just really important. I get some baggy jeans. They got to be over my shoelaces. If they ever, like, fall behind my tongue here, my shoe, like, that's really bad. It's got to cover my whole shoelace. I got to be able to step on the back of it. And um, then I had some cool jeans. And then I got in high school, and somebody was like, why are you wearing such baggy pants? They're supposed to be baggy by your shoe, but they're supposed to be tighter up here. So then I had to go buy low-rise boot-cut jeans. Does anyone remember low-rise boot-cut jeans? I like those a lot better personally because the belt sat down here. It wasn't on your belly button. I don't know, whatever reason I like those better. So I really held strong to those for like 10 years. And then I was leading Young Life in Monroe, and some kid was like, Jim, like, you really got to buy some new jeans. Like, you, you, and I was like, what am I supposed to wear, skinny jeans? They're like, it's just not those. Those are... And it's not just like external like clothing. It's, it's also actions and what the world views as important. You know, 100 years ago, marriage was like a major idol in the world. Like if you didn't get married and have a family, like what were you doing? You're wasting your life. It was so, so elevated that it was, it was not right. People that were single would feel down and slammed. Um, and now today it's like, why would you get married? <laughs> Well, why would you get married? That's like a worthless institution. It doesn't mean anything. That's a useless thing. It's like the world is always shifting what it values. Don't conform to the pattern of the world. Now watch, Paul says, instead, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He uses a different word. He doesn't use conform. This word that's translated transformed is the word morphe, which means like morph. That's where we get morph from. It means to become something completely different. Be transformed on the inside out, not just in your actions and your external things. See, God's not just concerned with your actions. He is. But there's a way to have, do actions that are right on the outside, but on the inside, we're really not any different. He wants to completely transform who we are as we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. Um. You know, people wear WWJD bracelets on their wrists, and I'm going to say something now. I'm not trying to say that you should not wear those or that they're bad. Um, but there, there's a, I think we do have to be careful sometimes with things like that because there's a way as a Christian that we can become obsessed with our outward actions and forget about our insides. You know, if you're always thinking every day, um, what would Jesus do in the situation? What would Jesus do in the situation? There's another way to go about it. If you 
if God, as God transforms us on the inside, like, you don't really have to go through your day considering what I should be doing with my actions. It'll just happen. You'll start to think like Christ. You'll see people like Christ does. And you'll just do the things that Jesus does without, without, without having to think about it. The more that he transforms you. I don't mean you can't wear the bracelet. But God doesn't, this is really important. God doesn't just want to conform us. He wants to transform us. He doesn't just want to change our outward actions, but he wants to change us on the inside. And that will also affect our outward actions. And through the rest of Romans, the next following chapters, Paul kind of goes off on this topic. And he's going to go through lots of different things and different examples of how God transforms our mind to be different than our shifting world. And we're going to look at verses 3 through 8 only. Um, and we're going to see that the gospel changes the way we view ourselves. It changes the way we view our church. And it changes the way we view our gifts. In verse 3, Paul says, For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Well, it was Monday night this week. I sat down to start working on this, on this um, sermon, and um, I get to this verse, and I'm like, oh, crap. I'm going to have to share a story. And uh, because something happened also on Monday, I believe it was Monday, Monday morning, I'm at football practice. I coach football at Addison uh, with, with Coach Lindemann, Josh Lindemann, who sits over here. Wave, Josh. There's Josh. And um, um, we're doing this drill called the inside run drill. And so, you know, I'm thinking to myself, you know, the, the, the defense holds bags during this drill because we kind of know the play. It's either going to be the right or the left. We know the play. And so we don't want to get anyone hurt, so we're all holding bags for this drill. But it's still really competitive. You kind of use your bag. It's kind of fire. It's a great drill. And Coach Lindemann coaches the offense, and the offensive line, they're just nasty during this drill. It's a great drill for, for football. And, and I'm thinking, you know, I know I'm not a kid anymore, um, and I'm in my 30s, and I don't have any pads on. Um, I'm not wearing a helmet, but I'm thinking, like, I could still get in there. And this is the perfect time because I could hold a bag. And I could just use the bag to kind of protect myself. And so, I, so I'm like, put me in, coach, except for I'm the coach. So I just put myself in. And, I, and uh, I get one of the guys out, and it's just me and Donnie, my boy. And uh, he's kind of crazy, and he's a great linebacker, and I'm next to him. And the first play, I get blocked from this side, and I, I know the play. So I know that if I'm getting blocked from this side, I know the runner's going to pop out right here. And so I kind of, I, I get blocked and I spin off of him. Okay, now it's a little dirty. I get a little too competitive. And I spin off of him and I'm holding a bag and I spin off. The offensive player is in pads. I turn and I go, boom! I knew the runner would pop out right there and I just, boom! And just clothesline him. <laughs> and, uh, and Noah is laying on his back, okay? And in a way that like can only make a coach proud. I, I, I stand over him, and I look at him, and he goes, he looks up at me and he goes, that's how it's going to be, huh? <laughs> and I go, and I go, yeah, you better bring it. And he goes, he goes, okay. And he jogged back to the huddle, and I was like, this is going to be bad. <laughs> and um, uh, the next play, they come from the right side now, and these two guys on the right side of our line that I think both 
deadlift like 620 pounds or something each. They block another kid into me. We're both just rolled up. I collide helmets with somebody. I don't know what happened, but I just get creamed. And I'm not in pads. And I bit my tongue so hard it just immediately swollen. I could barely talk. I'm spitting blood the rest of the practice for like an hour. And that night, I'm looking at this passage, and it's, do not think of yourself more highly than you are, but rather. And it's a silly story, but the reality is, is that I often think that I can do everything. I think that I'm really important. I think I can do everything that exists. And I find myself bulldozing other people and their gifts and their opportunities because I'm like, I want to get to do that. I should do that. And it's arrogant, but it's also more, it's like from a place of insecurity. I'm confessing to you. It's because there's this like desire in me that I just want so bad to be important and to be needed. I need to do something important. So I just sub myself in all the time and just bulldoze people. Listen, in our shifting world, there's a social hierarchy of status and importance. If you make a lot of money, if you're a funny person, if you're good looking, if you're a good athlete, if you're successful, you get to, be, you get to have a lot of status and you're considered important. And if we conform to the pattern of the world, we'll just jump on the treadmill and start running. Start climbing the ladder. But see, when you see what Jesus has done for you, you offer yourself a living sacrifice to him. What he does is he transforms us on the inside. And we start to see we're not more important than others. In fact, even if I am good at something and I have some gift, it's because of God's mercy. It's because of the grace of God. Do you see what Paul says? He says, "For it's by grace given to me that I, I say to you, Paul says, I'm not saying this as someone that's above you. I'm only saying this to you by the grace of God. Another place says, by the grace of God, I am who I am. The gospel has a way of doing this in your life. It it can make you humble, but make you confident at the same time. It's the only way that that happens. See, the world has false humility and, and false confidence. But I can be com- we can be completely humble because we know that we don't deserve anything from God. But confident because he gave it to us anyway. And he has called me for this task. And I can stand tall and confident because I'm doing it in him. Changes the way we view ourselves. The gospel changes the way we view our church. In verse 4 he says, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. You know, we live in a highly individualistic culture. Probably the most individualized, individual-focused culture in the history of the earth. That's America. The world says that we can do what we want, when we want to do it. We can be who we want. We want to become someone different. We can. You know why? Because after all, I belong to me. I can decide what I'm going to do. 
But the gospel changes everything. And see, God doesn't want to just conform us on the outside, so we're really still living for me, but we're kind of like polite and nice people on the outside. There's a way of being a polite, nice person while still being very selfish on the inside. Because I know that being polite is going to get me something. This is one of the reasons why I love football. Um, I, I also love wrestling, it's, but wrestling is an individual sport. I used to coach wrestling for a while, and it teaches you great things like self-discipline, you know, um, no excuses. There's great things you can learn from it, but, but football is a team sport. And uh, I just love the fact that there's 11 people on the field at one time. You can't have one superstar and be good. You just can't do it. One superstar won't make you win. Everyone's got a different part to play. It's a team sport, and it takes a lot more than 11 people, actually, because you can't practice with 11. Somebody who's on the team that never takes the field in a game has a vital role to play on the team. I love team sports. The New England Patriots and the University of Alabama are the, by far the two most successful programs last 20 years in football, in the NFL and in college. And their entire program, the head coaches are actually friends, and they built their whole program and their culture on, on a phrase that's do your job. And it's because everybody has a vital role to play. Everybody's part of the team. You can't do someone else's job and win. If I'm supposed to block this guy and I want to go get that guy over there because I don't trust that guy's going to block that guy, now this guy's not blocked. Everybody has to do their job to be successful. Similarly, Paul's using his favorite analogy. He uses it in like every book. Like almost every letter. It's like, it looks familiar because you're like, I think I've read this part before. It, it, he repeats it over and over and over again. That everyone who is in Christ is part of his body. We're part of the body of Christ as soon as we put our faith in Christ. It's in Christ that we're part of the body. Listen, like, it's not really up to us, actually. You can't put your faith in Christ and not be part of the body. We're part of the body whether we like it or not. It's not, it doesn't matter if we like the body, if we like the other people in the body. It doesn't matter if we're good at something or if we think we have something to contribute. We're just part of the body. And just as different members of our bodies have different roles, um, they're all vital. I, I'm not great with science. I don't know a lot of anatomy. I know some things about my body. There's so much in my body that I can't see, that you can't see. That if it wasn't there, I would die. It's vital to, to the functioning of the body. And every one of us is vital to the functioning of the body. We all have different roles, and some of them are up front and some aren't. Now listen, our world, our shifting world, would also elevate our individual roles and celebrate them. It, it would, our, our culture says we should love one another, we should celebrate each other's differences, we should celebrate each other's gifts in the ways that, that we are. But the really controversial part is, is the last line there. You see what it says? It says, because each member belongs to all the others. In our world, you belong to yourself, but we should celebrate each other's selves. No, each member of the body of Christ belongs to the others. Bridget, my wife, when she went to college, she was an incoming freshman, and she was in the lunchroom for the first day sitting by herself, and she thought to herself, she had just read this passage, and she was sitting there, and she was thinking, 
there's other Christians here somewhere, and I belong to them. I got to find them. I belong to them. Have you let the world's individualism creep into your faith? This is where it's going to get real, and I'm going to challenge you. We conform to this way of thinking all the time, that I belong to myself. We become individualistic Christians. We think that we can follow Christ on our own, that our faith can be kind of a private thing. It's not anyone else's business. I can go to church if I want, but I don't really have to. I don't need other Christians. I, I do believe in Jesus. And you, you hear people say this. I, it's very common. Now, I'm guessing there may be some of that here, and you, you came, and I want you to know that you belong to, you belong to the body of Christ. But there, there's a way, probably more, more likely in this room, because you're here on a Sunday, there's a way to be part of a church while still being very individual-focused. We can be a consumer or a critic while we're there. We like the worship to be done in a certain way, and if it isn't done that way, that wasn't a very good one. That Sunday wasn't very good. Or we like a great motivational pump-up message every week. If not, it's just like, yeah, it was a waste that week. We don't give tithes and offerings because maybe the church isn't meeting our needs like we think it should or because we don't approve of what's going on. We have to give those things. We belong to the body. And so, Ogden family, I want to say this to you as one of you. We need to be really careful with this. Us especially, because here's why. Because our church staff is so gifted up front. They're really good. Um, and it's very likely that many of us started coming here because we came here and we were like, wow, that worship was great. And GJ's a great singer, and he is. And it got us fired up. And so we came back. Or maybe Brandon got us fired up in a message, which, will, which happens a lot. And so we started coming. Um, and, and we came for those reasons because it, it fed us. That needs to change very, very fast. Don't conform to the pattern of the world. Let the gospel transform our mind on this topic. We belong to each other. We belong to each other. Churches go through transitions. I don't know of any, I'm not, I don't know of anything happening like that. But what would happen if, they, if, if GJ left? I, would you leave? No, I belong to you. I can't leave. We belong to each other. The gospel also changes the way we view our gifts. In verse 8 he says, We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's in giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. We all have different gifts and things that um, God has made us different. And the thing about gifts is that's what they are, is they're gifts. We have a way of, our world has a way of elevating certain gifts as if that person's more important. Listen, 
You, your role in the body is not less important than Brandon's role, even when he gets to speak to us on Sunday mornings. We have vital roles. Lots of them are unseen. Some of them are seen. And our gifts don't make us important or not. And there's a way to exercise these gifts, to like practice these gifts that we're given um, in a very self-centered way. Um, you can prophesy, speak God's word to somebody. You can speak God's word to somebody in a way that kind of acts like you're better than everybody else. We can serve in a way that makes sure the other person knows that we did something for them and we got to make sure they're grateful. We can teach in a way like we're a know-it-all. We can encourage people, but really it's just flattery because we want them to like us. We can give in such a way that makes people feel like they're in your debt. Like the church owes me something now. We can lead in a way that's being bossy. You know there's a way to show mercy that's really just slamming someone. Have you experienced that? Somebody forgives you, but I can't believe you did that. I guess I'll let it slide. This is not mercy from Jesus. That's not what this mercy is like. He doesn't heap guilt on when he forgives. He takes it away. And in our culture, gifts are celebrated because they're what give us our identity. They're what make us stand out and be special. But God transforms the way we view our gifts. They're, they're not things that make us special. They're, they're things God has given us so that we can serve the people that we belong to. And so we can serve our world in hopes that they come to know Jesus. And that's why it's both a duty and a privilege that we get to serve the body of Christ. It's a duty because we belong to each other. But it's also a privilege because oftentimes in serving and giving our life away, we find ourselves in a more intimate place with Jesus than we've ever been. I experienced that over and over and over again. Um, there's a book called Practicing the Presence of God. It's by a man named Brother Lawrence who was a monk in the Middle Ages. I'm telling you, you should still read the book. <laughs> uh, it's great. It's real short. And it's kind of like these letters and journal entries from him. And, and there's this part. See, he was a monk on this monastery and um, they, they didn't choose him to do any, any, any of the prayers, lead any of the prayers, do anything. All of his work was behind the scenes. He was in charge of the kitchen and he was in charge of the dishes. That was his role. He gave his whole life away to work at this monastery and he, and he was the dishwasher. And there's this part in the book where he says, he says something along the lines of, what a privilege it is that God has chosen me for such a task. A behind-the-scenes task that no one knows about. Um, a few summers ago, I got to work at Rockbridge, which is a Young Life camp in Virginia, these amazing camps. And I was the pits boss, which means I was with a group of work crew kids, which were high school kids, and we were in charge of the dishes for the month. And uh, you put your best work crew kids in there because... It's brutal. I mean, it, it's long days. There's three meals a day, and you're in there for a month. And uh, they had a great attitude. And I did on the outside. But on the inside, I just found myself complaining all the time. And I would think thoughts like, why am I doing this? Like, I have other gifts. Like, literally anyone could be in here doing dishes. Why did they choose me for that? I, I could be doing one of the other things that are more important. And one day, and I didn't say that out loud. I, I, I knew not to do that, but inside it was just filled with this, and, I, and I'm loading the dishwasher one day, and I'm, I'm loading this thing. The reality is, 
I was like, why am I doing this? And I was actually like, God wanted me to do that that week. And I was actually, that month, and I was actually pretty good at it because I kind of have this weird OCD thing where things are like really organized and then everything's like a machine and it just kind of like, and that was, that was really helpful in there because it was just like, boom, 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 we're loading the dishwasher. It's going so fast. And God made me to be able to do that that, that month. But I'm sitting there one day and it was like week two and I'm loading this and I'm tired and I'm thinking, God, why did you make me do this? And I told Jesus as if he didn't know. You know, I have other gifts. And in the, this moment, I felt God speak to me more clearly than ever, maybe because I was so exhausted. And I was mad. And he said, you know, when I went to the cross for you, it wasn't because of, I didn't really have to use any fancy gifts. It was just obedience. And I did it because I love you. I just gave my life away. And God wanted me to give my life away that month. And from then on, I shared that with the other work crew who probably weren't struggling nearly as much as I because they were rock stars. And I shared it with them. And whenever we had a complaining thought, we would think about what Jesus did for us and how he made us clean on the cross. You see, in closing, I want to say, you know, we get to offer our bodies as living sacrifices to Jesus. Um, because he offered his body, not just as a living sacrifice, but as a dying sacrifice. Yeah. He died in our place. And so we get to live our lives in worship of him. And God, take everything that I have and everything that I am and everything I do with my entire life, all the little tasks that seem unimportant, take all of them, because that's what Jesus did for us. Jesus is the head of the body that we get to be part of. If there was ever a part of the body that should be treated better than the rest, it's the head. The head of the body actually is above the rest of the body. And Jesus, it says in Philippians 2 that Jesus, though he was in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, but rather he made himself nothing. And he took on the very nature of a servant and was made in human likeness. And being found in appearance of, as a man, he became obedient to death, even death on a cross for our sake. And it's in response of that that we get to offer our bodies as living sacrifices. And we get to let that truth transform the way that we are. I want to pray for us, and, and I want you to consider... Um, giving your life to Jesus. Uh, maybe it's your first time ever giving your life to Jesus. Well, you got to give your life to Jesus. Um, maybe you've done that already, but maybe you forgot. You got to do it every day. <laughs> you got to give your life to Jesus. You surrender our whole bodies in, in worship to Jesus every day. Jesus, thank you for everyone that's here today. God, I thank you that um, you have offered yourself for us. And that's in response to that, that we get to know you, that we get to offer our bodies as living sacrifices. Jesus, would you transform us on the inside out? Help us to see the world like you see it. Help us to think like you think. Break our heart for what breaks yours. 
and let our actions be an overflow of that, Lord. Be with us as we go about our, our rest of our day and our week. Thank you that you love us. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. Please join us on Sunday mornings at 9.30 or 11 a.m. If you'd like any more information about Ogden Church, just visit our website at ogdenchurch.org or Facebook.